Welcome to River City Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co. Today we're going to be continuing our series, Transformed. We're in part two today. Last week, if you missed it, it's on the podcast. Uh, and today, or last week, we talked about God's love, being transformed by the power of God's love, which is, I believe, the most transformational thing in the world. And through this series, we're looking at three things that uh, encompass, I believe, what God does uh, not only towards us, but in us, uh, as, and, and three of those forces that, that come together to bring about life, tra- life change and transformation. So the first one is the love of God. Today, we're going to look at the Word of God, and next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And so these together are, are God's means by which we are transformed and changed. And, and it begins when we say yes to Jesus. We are born again. We're forgiven of our sins. We're given a home in heaven. It starts there. But as Christians, the, the Christian life is not just meant to be entering through the door, uh, getting fire insurance and being saved from uh, separation from God in hell, but he saved you for something. He saved you for himself. And so he invites us into freedom. He invites us to grow in a relationship with God that produces life and transformation. Uh, and, and anybody who's been walking with the Lord long enough knows that, you know, some stuff, how many of you have, you know, you've been saved longer than 10 years and God's still been working on you? Okay, good. I'm not alone. Uh, there's always things that God's wanting to change on the inside. Sometimes it's my mindset, uh, attitudes, words. Oh, there's all kinds of things. And so Romans 12 is kind of the basis here uh, for our series. Romans 12, uh, verse 2. You can begin to put that up. Uh, Romans 12, 2. And here's what it says. Do not be conformed to the world. Conform there is a, is a, is a word for change, but it's a change that comes from outward pressure. It's a word that means to change in a way that's different than what's on the inside. So it's used, this word's used in another place of, of, of the devil, being transformed. He transforms, even Satan himself transforms himself as an angel of light. In other words, he appears as light, but he's full of darkness. And that's kind of the flip side of what this is trying to say to Christians. It's saying, don't let darkness shape you when you have light on the inside. Don't let, don't let the world conform you into its image, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So how do you walk in, know, recognize, and experience God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for your life? Well, it, it, it happens as we experience transformation. Today, we're going to look at God's word specifically. So in our culture, there's this kind of increasing use of, of the expression, you know, my truth. Um, and, and if I ever say, you know, let me share my truth, you know, you have permission to take me out back. Anyway, here, here's the thing. Usually what people are saying is we're, 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 we're wanting to express our opinions or our feelings. But the problem with the world today is it's elevated feelings and opinions to the level of truth. And so it's no longer about the truth, it's about my expression or my experience of the truth. And, and, and the problem with opinions is a lot of them are wrong, sometimes even mine. And you all married and you, you, you're, you can't understand why your spouse doesn't think like you do? Only two of us, okay. 
I actually had someone tell me that years ago. It was one of the funniest things, but they were sincere. Uh, they, they, a family member, they said, I just don't understand why people don't think like me. And it's true that we just inherently assume people think like us. Our opinions are always at the same level of truth. And in our culture, that's been kind of confused, that we confuse the truth with our opinion. But, but I want you to go to James. If you've got your Bibles, turn to James. Got your Bible app. You can put it up on the screen. James chapter 1. We're going to look at three, um, three descriptions of the Bible, which I believe is the Word of God. Three, three descriptions of God's Word that I think will help us experience transformation. The first one is found in these two, two verses. James chapter 1, verse 17. It says, every good, every good gift, and every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So first he says, every good and every perfect gift comes from above. So it's important we don't get this twisted, that we recognize God is always good. I preach a whole series on the goodness of God. God is good. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. It's his nature. And his word is a revelation, not just of us, but of himself. Of course, the Bible has a lot to say about man, and we'll get to that in a minute, and God's design and God's purpose for man. But, but the Bible is God's self-revelation of himself. This book is either banned or heavily restricted in at least 52, some say 55 countries, could be more. And it's, it's also the best-selling book in all of human history. So it's either really loved or really hated, and oftentimes it's both. And, and why is that? What's, what's so special about this book? Is it just that it's the basis of religion? Well, I don't think that's why it's so special. I, you know, one of our values is that the Bible is our foundation, but why is the Bible our foundation as a church? Why is that? Well, number one, we've got three points for you today talking about transformation. The first one comes from this verse. God's word is the word of truth. So what, what, what would cause a man like John Wycliffe, who is translating the Bible into a language people could read and understand, not just the, the popes and priests and pastors, but that every person could have access to the word. There was a time in history where they literally had a type of Bible called a chained Bible. And they called it the chained Bible because they had to chain it to the pulpit. Because people were so hungry to know what was inside of this book that they would steal the book from the church. And, and, and there were people that recognized that this isn't good. We want everybody to have access to the word. And so it's so important. That's what brought about a reformation, that when people had access to God's revelation of himself, it began to change everything. So why so much fuss over a book? Well, 2 Timothy 3.16 is God's, the Bible's description of itself. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So it's not just that it was written by man, but it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So God's word is inspired by him, and it's profitable for doctrine, that's teaching, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, 
that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There he's speaking to Timothy, a leader in the church, but this principle applies to every Christian, every believer. What we are equipped by is we've been given, we'll talk about next week, the Holy Spirit, and we've been equipped with God's word. We've been equipped with the two greatest things as Christians that we need to overcome in every season, in every age, in every generation, in every culture. To not be conformed, but be transformed. When the world brings fear, you bring faith. When the world brings hopelessness and discouragement, you bring life. But that can only happen as we are equipped with what this has to say. It's what teaches us, sometimes even corrects us. Why? Because sometimes my truth ain't very good. And it needs some adjustment. Until I begin to see things the way God sees them. But the goal of the Bible, and I've said this in Next Steps, so the Bear with me, those of you who've heard this before, but I can just say this. The goal of the Bible, and I'm a Bible guy. I give you 45,000 scriptures in every sermon. But, but the goal of the Bible isn't to know the Bible. You can put down your tomatoes and your whatever people throw anymore. We don't throw rocks anymore. We send emails. Actually, we don't even do that. We just comment on Facebook. Um, The goal of the Bible is to know the God of the Bible. It's to bring us into a relationship. See, the Pharisees had the Old Testament memorized. They started at age of six, and they would start with the book of Leviticus, which I know a lot of Christians who never even read the book of Leviticus. I asked first service how many people had read it, and like two people were like, yeah, I've read Leviticus. Yeah, Leviticus. So when we need to know what's unclean, we'll ask them. So, but but here's, here's what would happen. At six years old, they would start with the book of Leviticus, and only a handful would get it enough to keep growing until they, as a Pharisee, and eventually those that became rabbis, would have the entire Old Testament memorized. The sad truth is that they had it memorized. They knew the book, but they missed the author. They missed the, the purpose of the book, the purpose of the Bible, was to bring us into a relationship with the God of the Bible. Jesus said in John chapter 5, John chapter 5, he, he, he told them, he said this, he says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have life, but these testify of me. That's verses 39 and 40. Jesus said, you, you, you're looking in, you're, you're trying to get right information and that's good, but the goal is to know the person. If you, if you study the Bible without encountering the God who gave you the Bible, that's one of the saddest things I think that can happen. Not only that, but God helps us to understand his word. Jesus had disciples that followed him every day for three and a half years. He would heal the sick. He would cleanse the, de- or cleanse the leper, raise the dead. He would do all these miracles, and he would teach but there were still places where they didn't get it. In fact, what's interesting is, is of all the disciples, only one of them who would come later, Paul, was even religiously trained. These guys were, one was a tax collector, one was a, a zealot, which basically meant he was unemployed and he, you know, protested. Just like Jesus, he got a government worker and an anti-government person. He put them together. <laughs> Called it the church. Okay. Um, but then, then he had a, a bunch of fishermen. 
And, and these were guys who at six years old flunked Sunday school. All right, kids, we're going to talk about Leviticus. Eyes glazed over. They checked out. They're playing, you know, with doodling. And, and, and so, so here's where we're at. Jesus comes to those guys, and it says this, of them. Before he ascends to heaven, before he pours out the Holy Spirit, Luke 24, 45, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Isn't that amazing? That, that they needed a relationship with the God who gave him, us the word to actually know the word. See, some people love their doctrine, but they don't love Jesus. They, they, they love their theology. They love their statement of faith. They love their church position. They love all of that stuff, but they don't know Jesus. And, 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 and here's what's so amazing in this. Jesus opened their understanding. This is for all of us who think we can't get the Bible. I, I, I'm not a reader. I, I'm not, I, I can't understand what it says. I, 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 oh, you can understand with the help of the author. I've written a few books, and and there's probably plenty of things that are confusing in them, especially because I wrote most of them when I had babies crawling on my lap. It's really conducive to writing. Um, And so, so, but my wife, she would read a book, and because she has access to the author, she can go, hey, what did you mean here? Help me to understand this. Let's talk about this. See, the Bible was never meant to be read alone but with the Holy Spirit, because you've got the author. You have access to the author, church. The Bible says, Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of your word gives light, and it gives understanding to the simple. All right, so, so what do we need to do with the word of truth? We need to believe, put that on the screen, we need to believe and respond to the truth of God's word. It's not enough to just believe in it, we've got to respond to it. It's got to bring us into something. I believe it's to bring us into knowing God. Number two, we are transformed by the implanted word. See, as James is describing the word, he first starts with, it's the word of truth. And then he says this in James 1.13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone, but let each one, or each one, excuse me, is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it's full grown, brings death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So, verse 21, he says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness, overflow of wickedness, and receive with humility or teachability or meekness the implanted word. Some people know it all so they can't learn anything. Some of you got teenagers. Oh, don't raise your hand. Because all of us can be like that. I've been in church 30 years. I've been there, bought the t-shirt, heard that sermon before. Listen, I don't, I've read the Bible cover to cover. I've, I've studied it for years. I've preached it for years. I've been in ministry 17 years. I still, this week I opened up something I've never seen before. I know I've read it before, but I've never seen it before. Because I'm with the author and he goes, you got to see this. James describe it, describes it here as the implanted word. Watch this 
Next verse, 21. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. So, if I go to the gym, I'm not going to get muscle by watching somebody else work out. If that's you and you just show up to the gym to watch other people work out, there's actually a watch list for that. (laughs) But it doesn't change anything. It doesn't transform anything. And that's why I think a lot of people, even in their Christian walk and in their faith, aren't having transformation because they're not taking it from out here and putting it in here. When it goes from something I've read to something that's deep on the inside of my heart, it's an implanted word. Planted like a seed in the soil. A seed can't produce as long as it's in the bag, as long as it's in your hand. A seed has to be put in the ground and given time to grow, nurtured, taken care of, fertilized, the conditions created for that thing to grow. Well, I just don't feel like I'm growing. Well, have you allowed God's word to get on the inside of you? And you've allowed God through the Holy Spirit to do a deep enough work with that word by applying it to your life. Not just watching others read it, study it, hear it, but actually take it. And see, the reason why James says don't deceive yourselves is because I can read it and think I've got it. I can hear a sermon and think I've got it. I don't got it until it gets on the inside. Bad grammar, good theology. So, so the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As I put God's word in my life, faith arises. As I put God's word in my life, in my heart, my desires are changed. David said this in the Psalms, God, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, David, I think, knew something about what James is describing, that temptation, overcoming temptation is a losing fight until we deal with what's in the heart. Because it's not, you know, God trying to trip us up because he doesn't tempt with sin. And and it's not the devil made me do it. He, He tempts, but he can only tempt. Go back to what I read. He only tempts with what I already desire. And when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. In other words, if I want to overcome In an area that I'm tempted, I've got to deal with the desire. If I don't deal with the desire, I'm going to be dealing with surface-level issues, not getting to the root of the problem. Anybody who's got kids knows that it's good what you tell them. But if you say, there's cookie cake on the counter, don't eat it. The kid has lost anything else you said after there's cookie cake on the counter. Like, they've checked out. Okay, I'm not describing kids. I'm describing myself. Jenna says, there's cookie cake. Don't eat it. What? It's desire that has to change. I, 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 I don't know how else to describe this, but, you know, earlier this week, I was just thinking as I was praying and thinking about some areas that I used to really struggle. 
And I thought, I, I've not struggled in that area in a, a, a long time, like years. Not even, not, even, not even just struggled, but haven't even had a thought or desire. What changes desires? Well, it's because over time, I stopped feeding on things that fed the desire that was destructive. And I started feeding on God's word, which actually brought life. And suddenly, over time, I realized my desires are different. The things that I used to want, I don't want anymore. Things that used to have a pole don't have a pole. John chapter five, or 15, verse 7, Jesus said that, that his word implanted in the heart is actually the key to answered prayer. H- how do I get my prayers answered? How do I see? Now, l- listen, God will answer prayer. Just call out to him wherever you're at. But, but, but God's after something a little bit deeper than just relieving the problem. I want you to catch this. John 15, 7, Jesus said, abide in me. If you abide in me, that's relationship, that's closeness. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, not just with you, not just on a shelf, not on your bookcase, not just an app on your phone, Problem for me on, on subscribing on the app to all the devotionals, I find out all the devotionals that I'm not doing. It's really bad when they just start doing social stuff and all my friends can see which devotionals I'm not doing. Okay, that's a whole other message. Um, but we need, watch what he says. And my words abide in you. You're going to ask what you, there's that word, desire. So not all desire is bad. No, no, it's not. But how do I have the right desires that God can answer. Watch what it says. It shall be done for you. So ask in prayer, and God's going to do it. But the key, the prerequisite, is these two things. Abide in Jesus. And let his word get in your heart until it changes your desires. Suddenly, there'd be things I used to pray for. You know, when I started out praying, I used to pray for, like, a good parking space. Or relief from a problem. Or just trying to make it another day. Or just overcoming temptation. Now, I'm praying for North Iowa to be saved. Now I'm praying for people to be set free from drugs. I'm praying for people's marriages to be restored. I'm praying for things that I never even used to think about, and now I'm seeing God do it. Because now I'm, my, my desire has been shaped by his desire. Okay, so we need to study and apply God's word. Third and final point, let God's word be your mirror. James chapter 1, verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So if if I take the word but I don't apply it, that's what I'm like. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So, so what does he describe the Bible as here? He describes it as a mirror. There was a story of a woman, her name is Marina Chapman, and uh, they made a National Geographic special about her. Some people believing her story, some people questioning it. But in her story at... She grew up in Colombia, 
and I think it was like five years old, she was taken from her home in the middle of the night, taken into the jungles in Colombia by traffickers and somehow became separated and was left at five years old alone in the middle of the jungles in Colombia. Listen, I had problems at five years old being left alone at Kmart. And, and, and she's by herself in the jungle, all by herself, in danger, probably shouldn't survive another day. But according to her story, as she becomes cold, tired, hungry, and thirsty, she hears a noise, and it's a troop of monkeys that are nearby. And they come close to her, and these would normally either run away or they would attack people. Or, but in her story, she says that they began to befriend her and get close to her. It was kind of like the Jungle Book, except the singing. But she begins to watch with these animals, but these monkeys are eating, and so she starts to eat those things. And she sees where they're getting water, and she starts getting water. And, and at five years old, after some time, she's begun to forget how to speak like a human being. She's forgotten how to act like a human being. She's forgotten who she is until she actually gets to the place after a couple of years, according to her story, that she's now thinks she's one of them. And she eventually is rescued, but before she is, before she approaches another human being, one day she's living her life just surviving among the animals and, and she catches a glimpse of something she doesn't recognize in the dirt. She goes and digs it up and finds that it's actually a mirror. She takes this mirror and she looks at herself for the first time in years. And Marina, at, at this young age, sees something that she's forgotten. Because she's lived so long with these animals, so long with these monkeys, that she's become, in her mind, one of them. But when she sees herself in the mirror, she realizes, I'm not like them. That's not who I am. And that began a catalyst for her that drove her to find people. She's since been not only rescued, had a rough life, but she moved to England eventually, got married, and her favorite, they asked her in one of the specials, what was her favorite activity to do now that she's living among people? She said, my favorite thing to do is climb trees with my grandkids. There's the point. God's word is a mirror. And it, it, it tells you who you are. And it tells you who you're not. The, the world says, well, one day some snot on a rock got like electrified and then that turned into a, a, a lizard and then that lizard eventually became you and you're just like them. But my Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So, so I know this. God's, you know, I, I know my wife's wonderfully made. I'm at least fearfully made. But, but we're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what God's word tells you. That no matter, that, that God had a personal interest and design in you. So you, you've got what the world's telling you, but then you hold up God's word and find out, oh, I have a purpose. 
I'm not just here to survive. I'm created with destiny and assignment. And, and God's created me uniquely after his own image. God's word's a mirror. That, that, that woman realized at a young age, I, I know I'm doing what the monkeys are doing. I know what I'm, I'm doing what these animals are doing, but that's not who I am. And, and, and God's word, we hold it up and realize, I'm living like a turkey, but I'm an eagle. I, I, I'm just trying to get by. I'm doing what I've seen. I'm, I'm doing what my family's always done, and I'm talking like my family's always talked, and I'm acting like they've always acted. But then you realize you're, you're, you're born again. You're adopted. You're a part of the family of God. You're royalty in Jesus' name. You're a part of a, a new kingdom. Oh, oh, that's who I am. That's who you are. You've been living in fear, and then you hold up God's word, which is a mirror, and God's word tells you that God has not given me a spirit of fear. And you go, oh, that's not who I am. You hold up the diagnosis, which, which may be factually correct, but, but God's word says something even greater, that with his stripes I'm healed. I'm not my issue. I'm not my condition. Your worth isn't your net worth. Your value comes from who's created you and who's given his life on a cross for you. God's word is a mirror. God's word is a mirror. And do you know why we have to have our minds renewed? Because sometimes we're saved, but we still think like we're not. <laughs> and, and we've got to get in his word every day until we start thinking like he thinks, talking like he talks, loving people like he loves them. Talked about that last week. Do you know how I, remember 1 Corinthians 13? I gave that to you last week. Didn't even of you guys read that and let God do some heart surgery? No? Okay, do it today. Because that's what I was doing is I was holding up a mirror and going, oh, I'm not walking like that. And then I allow God's word to transform me until I'm not a hearer only but a doer of what his word says. Jason, if you and the team want to get ready. God's word shows us who we really are in Christ and what we can become through him. That's so important, church. You know, God said of Israel that they were destroyed for lack of knowledge. I don't think it's just any knowledge. It's the knowledge of God's truth. Jesus says that's what sets people free, knowing the truth. Not my truth, not my opinion, not my feelings, but what Jesus said. That's what determines. Some of us are trying to find our value and our identity and our worth from the wrong mirror. That's all fine. These are tools. But it's not who you are. Reach people, love people, but this is who you are. Build your business, build your ministry. Do what God's called you to do. But even that and the things that God has given us is not who we are. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a child of the king. And you're invited to the Father's table. Nobody ever has to, st Nobody ever has to live with shame. Nobody ever has to be bound any longer. And you know what God says in his word. Let me give you just a couple 
Because let me just say this: it's not enough. Here, here's here's how we here's how we work out and put this inside of us. So so I uh, I have this really bad habit that I I get ready to to go work out, and then after like a week. Some of y'all are like about to judge me. I go to the gym of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> and, and, and that's why you got guys like Derek who are totally ripped. <laughs> I'm still working on it. Uh, but, but let me just say this. Anybody who's ever gotten stronger, it comes through consistency. And it's no different with your spiritual life. You've got to get the word in your life. You don't have to read 15 chapters. You don't have to start at the book of Leviticus. In fact, I'd encourage you not to. But get in his word every day until it gets on the inside of your heart. And then from there, take that word that's in your heart and let it come out of your own mouth. People much smarter than me have done studies and said that we tend to believe most what comes out of our own mouth than any other voice. Well, I, well, I don't, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, well, here's here's the problem: we believe in complaining. We believe in talking bad about ourselves and others. We need to start believing what this says and letting this come out of our mouth and declaring God's word instead of our feelings. Because you know what, the Bible is actually a sword. Jesus attempted. After 40 days of fasting in the desert, and you know how he overcame the enemy? He said, it's written. It's written. It's written. He opened his mouth. The living word declared the written word and beat the snot out of that devil. You can do the same thing. Stop letting life happen to you and start declaring what God says. Put down the wrong mirror and start picking up the word of God, saying, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not alone. I'm not forsaken. Let me give you a couple, and then we're going to pray. God's word says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. God's word says, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Romans 8.37. God's word says, I am the head and not the tail. Deuteronomy 28, 13. Well, you just don't know. I haven't had the opportunities other people have. No, stop it. You're the head and not the tail. People can shut a hundred doors. God just needs to open one door. God's word says, my God shall supply all my needs. Philippians 4, 19. Well, I, I just... I'm not good at reading. I can't understand it. You know what the Bible says? You have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16. You need to start saying that over yourself. I have the mind of Christ. God, I thank you. I have the mind of Christ. Start praying the word. Pray God's word. It's not enough for me to just have it in my heart. I've got to pray it. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit next week. But aside from praying in the Holy Spirit, I think the most effective prayer is when we pray God's word. Not my feelings. Not my opinions. Do you know the angels, the Bible says, are heeding the voice, not of my truth, but his word. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let me pray for you. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. 
To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co.